This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Okay, so you want to initiate change. Did you know that 70% of change initiatives with new programs and systems will fail due to the lack of leadership commitment? Carm here. Now, I want to focus on mentor, mentee, and apprenticeship programs, which are most critical to our industry's survival. You can lose your way without processes, procedures, and accountability to mold your apprentice into your shop. Too much talk and not enough action makes it break down. Luckily for you, my guest, Mark Brune, has a program focused on helping businesses develop entry-level technician mentoring programs with a tech shortage in mind. You're going to love this episode. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, Apex and Shop, where, you know, Apex 2022 will build upon the unique, dedicated space that they have for you, the service professional. It's Repair Shop HQ. It's inside Joe's Garage with 10 working bays and key aftermarket suppliers demonstrating their products and services. Plan on being in on the Apex action November 1st through the 3rd in Las Vegas. To register, visit aapexshow.com forward slash register. You know, your shop's customers pump their own gas and bag their own groceries. And most of them don't mind booking online or paying you via a live chat bubble in a self-serve universe. How cool is that? Get up to speed with my friends at GetShopware.com. Hey, welcome, everyone. Honored to have Mark Brun, mentor-mentee, on. Hello, Mark. Hey, Carm. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled. Glad to be here. You're the business development manager at mentormentee.com. I am so interested in this topic. I can't wait for us to dig into this. It's a great topic to talk about, Carm, and it's something that's been discussed in the skilled trades for quite some time. But it's never taken off its scale. So hopefully we can work on doing that and and making mentoring a priority. No kidding. I mean, we talk all the time on the podcast about building a bench, talent development. Here I'm tossing the words out, you know, assessments. And, you know, I, I know it's critical. I know it's important. But I'm not sure we have the tools in the industry for that. And and I think you may have broken the code with that. Uh, we talk about roles, mentee roles, uh, mentor roles, and you know how critical they are. And it's not necessarily the most senior person in the shop that would be qualified to be a mentor. Am I, am I so far on the right page here? You're spot on, Carm. The three key people, manager, mentor, and mentee. And you couldn't be more right about that mentor. We toss this out. Oh, I got somebody mentoring, you know, a mentee or a new apprentice or something like that. Hmm. What's the expectations? What planning did you put together? Uh, how's their progress? Where are they in it? Oh, I don't know. We're, we're just kind of every, at the end of every week, we talk about it and see if he learned anything. And is that really formal enough to make the career development side of this really work for us? You know, Carm, I don't think it is. And I'll tell you why. A lot of the guys and gals that are coming out of CTE programs and coming from restaurants, other businesses that aren't in the skilled trades, the two things that they're looking for is one, a plan, and two, someone to help them along that path. And that is a mentor. So the fly by night, dropping off the mentee on somebody's desk and say, hey, hope it works out. It's just not going to cut it anymore, Carm. So I think we have kind of teased the audience enough for them to want to really dig down and and catch what we're talking about here. My first question to start this whole thing off, Mark, please interrupt me at any time. Do we really understand the role of mentor-mentee? We're talking so much 
at the street, in the shops about this. And again, you've got a formalized program. It's cool. I like it. When you get someone to come on inside, how many times did they say, wow, this isn't what I expected? A lot of times, Carm, because a lot of times, whether someone's uh, shop has thought about starting a program or whether they actually have one, the thought process is kind of the same, that the roles might not be clearly understood from the get-go. So a big thing that we focus on is preparing that business well before an entry-level technician comes on to bring them up to speed and to have that plan in there. And that is just so important, Carm. I think you just said a mouthful, prepare the business. So I'm talking to a visionary, an owner of the company that's, you know, setting the pace and the tone for the business. And he says, hey, we're going to have a mentor-mentee program. Walks away and assumes his people are going to, you know, know what he means. And I think that's the key here. And I think that's why this is so important that, and I know inside of your business, your process is you assess everyone. We do, Carm, and we do it for a good reason, because not everybody that's in the shop, they might not be the perfect fit for one of those roles in the mentoring program. You're spot on. That's where we are, and that's that's where I would like to go. So does a mentor have to have any technical training to be a mentor? For the skilled trades, whether it's, you know, collision, automotive, or diesel, likely yes, because that mentor is not just only going to be teaching on the automotive or diesel collision skill set but they're also going to need to be able to speak that culture of the shop. And so, yes, definitely technical skills. And I can't help but think about the teaching side of it. Oh, I'd love to teach. And then somebody jumps in it and realizes it wasn't for them. And then there are some people that are just natural teachers. Does the assessment help you fine tune if it's going to work? Absolutely, Carm. So I think a big difference between mentoring and outright teaching is that a lot of times in the formal classroom, that teacher, it's a it's a one-way street where this is the information, these are the quizzes that we're going to be doing, and here's the information that you need to know. When we look at mentoring, it is much more of that two-way street. And I think mentors find pretty early on that mentees have a lot to teach them as well, both in the shop and outside of the shop. So yes, the assessments do help with that. We assess for the mentors 15 different categories, and we rank them in order of importance, and real near the top is communication. So yes, we do want to try to find those areas that really can make that mentoring relationship run a whole lot smoother, and communication's a big one. So that anyone has any idea of where we are and what we're going to do, the website's mentormentee.com? Yes, that's it. On the website, you've got this really cool six-step chart, if you will, circle. It's the MM cycle, you call it. I want to go through it all quickly. One is assess, two is educate, three is plan, four is recruit, five is execute, and six is analyze and reward. I love them. I think you nailed it. So let's quickly go through all of these. And I think then our audience is going to say, well, this is kind of cool. It's very formal. And Because I'm sitting here with this build my bench mentality that we can solve the technician shortage thing. We know that in many cases of the senior grads out of CTE college courses, even high school, they don't last long inside the industry because they're almost dealt package of promises that never end up happening. Before mentor-mentee was mentor-mentee, it actually used to be called SP2 mentoring. And I'm sure you're, you know, you've met with Kyle. SP2 was big focused on the, the, the CTE programs and safety. We did 
before it was mentor-mentee, it was the recruiting arm. And we had a recruiter who was contacting students going out into industry. And before that division was kind of separated, we sat down and we said, what are some of the things you're hearing from the students? And the most common thing was over-promising and under-delivering. It's tough for those students when they're, they're promised X, Y, and Z, and they barely get A, B, or C. Let's start. Assess. Committed. I'm ready to go. I believe I found a good mentor. I've got this young person that I really need to formalize and structureize and discipline. How does the assess thing work? So before we talk about the people, Carm, the first place we actually start with is the business itself. And the question is, do we have the right culture and workplace that will lend itself to a positive mentoring experience? And for us, if we can find the right business that has those components in place, there is a good amount of them. Well, that's a great place to start. So if we can get the right place and that workplace culture assessment would be taken not just by one person, but by multiple there. And if we are the right place, that's great. That next step is to find, okay, out of potentially our front office staff, our service managers, our general manager, who's going to be the best person to carry the flame and step in when mentors and mentees have challenges and to lay that overall structure of the program. So finding that manager, and then we're going to find the right mentor for your facility who can listen, who can communicate, who can multitask because they're not just going to be training and educating that entry-level tech. They're also going to be needing to put some work out the door as well. The owner gets this report and he looks at it and he goes, hmm, this is a surprise to me. Is he alone or can he pick up the phone and talk to someone at your organization? Well, he can absolutely talk to someone at our, at our organization. We pride ourselves on, on having a team of experts um, from the leadership down. That Yes, we love talking mentoring, Carm. And we're always open for a call. Okay, cool. Educate, number two. Educate. For us, Carm, if we can get the right business and the right people before we start working with any mentees, it's essential to educate, but set the expectations for each role as well. Mentors coming in, if they've never been a mentor before, they might not know what to expect and they might have a different uh, set of thoughts on what's actually going to be asked of them. And there's also some other components in there, too, of what to do and what not to do, especially some legal areas as well. Is educate the same as execute? Or is execute the actual training piece? How does that work? So the execution, that really comes when we have that mentee that we've recruited and we've laid out a plan for them. In our, in our system, we use digital task lists to help the business structure that on-the-job training that's going to take place every single day. That's really that execution component, Carm. Yeah, you got to get a demo, everyone. Mark and I spent time before this episode. He walked me through. I was pretty darn impressed because I guess I loved the tab A and the slot B stuff. I loved how it was struck. And it's like, uh, I don't have time for this. I can't build a spreadsheet on it. I got my Google Docs. All taken care of. We're trying to bring some level of objectivity to this subjective thing that is mentoring and on-the-job training. No papers, no, no Excel sheets getting passed back and forth. Got it. So that educate piece was educating who the mentor? Yes. So it's we have for the three roles, the manager, mentor, and mentee, or in a lot of cases, an apprentice, we have an online course specific to each role. And it's about three hours or less to complete talking about that role specific. Okay. So you know when you're going in what your responsibilities are. Okay. Now we got that down. We're, we're moving through the cycle and we're at now number three plan. 
wins in our book are, are going to come to those who prepare. And planning is a big component of that, not just for the program at a high level, but having a repeatable plan that you're not just going to use for that first student or entry-level technician you bring in, but one that you can repeat. And early on that plan, it might be a little general. We might focus on brakes or underbody from the get-go. But from that baseline plan, you can start to reach out. Maybe they want to become a transmission specialist. Hey, this guy or gal has the traits and skills to be a perfect diagnostician. Laying out that initial plan is so important because you can lay that foundation and then start to specialize. I love the whole idea of oh, this person could be a great diagnostician. Is it my gut feeling or does something inside of mentor-mentee help me see that? Well, it depends, Carm. In the business, face-to-face conversations and understanding what your, what your people are excelling at, I mean, that's just good management practice, right? So I think what we can help with is bringing objective data to the areas that a mentee is training on. And if that area is highly complex or there is a lot of diagnostic work built into specific tasks, we can tell a manager, hey, they're doing great on area A, but you might want to go back and consider B or C to either retrain or look at as another path down the road as well. We really want this person to learn breaks and maybe they've got some schooling in it. Do you have the actual courses and, 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 and outlines that step a person through? Is it, is it ASE based? Give me an idea. Of course. So at a high level, Carm, we leave the technical training up to the mentors and managers that are in the shop. We're here to facilitate that growth. And one of the ways that we do that, the primary way, is with ASE, industry-specific task lists that are traditionally used in ASE-accredited programs. So they've done a great job at considering CARM. I mean, the makes and models that they've had to consider in coming up with these lists is impressive. So at a baseline level, yes, the task lists from engine repair to HVAC and engine performance, those are authored by industry. Now, on the other note, if a business said, hey, we have our own custom task list for a specific role, we're happy to use that as well. But that task list is really where a lot of the the technical importance comes in with our system. So there is some structure, but it's flexible enough for you to decide to plug in supplier training, conference training. The mentor doesn't necessarily need to be the one to teach that individual a basic break job, if you will, uh, but it's got to fall into the policies of the company and just smart safety, you know, what needs to be done. Yeah. And also soft skills as well. I think one of the things that we don't consider is that customers are a portion of this business. And a lot of these technicians are going to maybe be service managers at one point. So when we're coming up with task lists, it's not just the technical, it's that soft stuff as well, because it's almost just as important. Hey, Carm here. Now, when it comes to technical and management training, nothing beats the caliber of classes and expert trainers that Apex puts together for Repair Shop HQ. And that's because a panel of shop owners selects the best training that will drive your business forward. Training is geared toward shop owners, service advisors, and technicians. Technical classes will include ADAS and calibrations, hybrid and electrical vehicle case studies, CAN bus diagnostics, electrical diagnosis, and using current probes to diagnose drivability dilemmas. On the management side, you'll learn marketing strategies that work, employee retention practices, building a culture that employees will embrace, and more. Expert trainers in this year's lineup include Mike Reynolds, John Thornton, Eric Ziegler, Greg Bunch, Bill Haas, and Kim and Brian Walker. 
Repair Shop HQ training will take place at Apex November 1st through the 3rd in Las Vegas. To learn more, go to aapexshow.com slash training. If you run more than one shop, you know how vital it is to keep up with how each one is performing. But it can drive you crazy to log in and out of each shop's database as you try to compare KPIs. Well, look, stop making it hard. With Shopware's advanced analytics, you can easily pull all that data into one report. Heck, you can even set up the system to pump it out in a graph or a chart and then email it to you anytime you want. Why tax your brain before you even start looking for trends and wins to celebrate? Let the computer do the work for you. Spend less time sifting through pages of numbers. Now, once you see your business's potential right in front of you, you can take steps to make it even better. And then you can take a night off to enjoy the time you just won back. Benefit, go with the team that created DVX. My friends at GetShopware.com. Assess, educate, plan. Is it date sensitive? How does this work? I mean, if we get our goals accomplished, then does it move on to another one? Do we set a, do we set a deadline? How does that work? really two ends of the spectrum. One, at a high level, every mentee and every entry-level technician is going to learn at a different rate. And along with that, failure in the shop, it has to be an option for these entry-level guys and gals that are learning and picking up skills and hopefully contributing more billable hours. So that's one where the mentee themselves, there's not necessarily a specific time frame for them. Now, on the aspect of setting goals, one of the things we wanted to do is that in our system, the mentor and the mentee have the ability to set specific goals on those tasks based on date and be able to adjust them very quickly. The ASC list is big and for good reason. So being able to whittle that down even more specifically is a great win for everybody, Carm. Got it. I love it. Number four, recruit. That's interesting that it's number four in in the cycle of six, because if we don't have everything else in play, don't even bother to find someone. We hear that all the time, Carm, and it's a good thing to consider. When you look at one through three on the process, really, those boil down to preparation. So as as a business owner, as a service manager, or as just the manager of the program, when you have the program solidified with the stakeholders and your plans, that's a recruiting piece in and of itself. If we're going and talking to a CTE instructor, you can take that plan and say, hey, I'd love to take on your a one or more of your students. I have a specific plan for them and I have a process in place for tracking their progress and building their skills because too often, Carm, a student comes out, they're handed a broom and uh, they turn their back never to return again. I think you just um, said something very big and powerful and let me see if I can put it into perspective. So I'm a shop owner and I have agreed to work with my local two-year automotive tech college and take on an intern. Would I look at that intern as a mentee? Absolutely. The key is that I could go back to the school and says, here's why you want to pick me. Again, we're building bench here, aren't we? We are, Carm. Backup. Always have backup, man. So we're building bench. We bring in an intern. Not 100% sure. It looks like a pretty good kid. I bend it there. I shake the hand. I was in hanging around at their labs, and this person's coming in. But to go back to the college and or this intern student, I can say, I got this really good formal program. I've selected the right mentor. I just want the college to keep working with me for every year or every semester. However, whatever influx you can bring 
into your business, you've got structure. And they probably appreciate that. Absolutely. So I had a conversation with an instructor out of California just the other day. I love talking to instructors, but what we talked about was a little sad. He produces, you know, hundreds of students every year that are graduating and looking for positions in industry. He said that the rate of students that take on an internship, do a good job, and the business says they they do a good job, but a lot of times what's happening is that business says, oh, well, we're not going to bring them on full-time. They just don't know enough yet. The onus is on the business to train and develop people. Carm, Before I worked in my role here, I was working at a catering company local in Jackstack. And graciously, I had mentors here and around my life that gave me the chance to get these skills. And and now I'm sitting here talking to you, which is still hard to believe in my mind. So yeah, for the CTE instructor who's getting a barrage of emails, phone calls from businesses that want a students, anything that you can do to stand out and say, hey, I have a plan for your students, you've got the advantage in recruiting far and away. Let me jump in. I got my little soapbox here, okay? (laughs) Please, yes. So here I am, and I go to this intern after a year, and I know in the back of my mind I don't have an opportunity. Really, something's happened with the business. We haven't grown like we expected. You've got tons of friends in your network. Come on. If you've nurtured this individual, if you see brightness in them, you see a potential future career, and your job is to help minimize the technician shortage that we have, pick up the phone and call four or five of your people in the market, in the next town. Come on. Oh, anyway, um, (laughs) you got me upset on that one. Well, Carm, no. And here's the thing. I don't want this to come out as an indictment of the industry as a whole, because fact of the matter is, Carm, the parts shortages, the labor shortages have made things very difficult. But the fact of the matter is the two things that we hear all the time, and I, and I get it, is that one, our people and myself were busy and we're tired. So when I hear that, the, the place that I go back to is the Eisenhower principle. The important things are never urgent and the urgent things are never important. Now, getting work out the door, we have to. But when we drop off on training to you know, do other things that seem pressing at the time, it's only going to uh, kick the ball down the road when it comes to developing those people. But trust me, I'm not down on the industry because, man, because how I live, everything I do is about advancing the aftermarket. But every once in a while, we got to get a little bold italic. Indeed, let's hold the mirror up and have an honest conversation because the fact of the matter is things do need to change if we're going to solve this problem at scale, Carm. Thank you for this great, great dialogue. Uh, Recruit. Uh, So I think we kind of almost talked about that. We've got to go out and find an individual. For example, let's just forget about my relationship with the college, but I've got a great customer who's got a young, uh, you know, senior graduating from high school Hey, this isn't a computer programmer, a lawyer, or an accountant. This person loves to work with their hands. They've got leaning toward the automotive. I see you guys are constantly walking around here in white lab coats and stuff. And you say, hey, bring them on in. And you have this individual. And maybe before they start, we put them through that assessment to see if they have the rightness, whatever that means, the rightness. How does your recruiting module work? What we want to do, Carm, is that we are not a recruiting firm. What we want to do is equip 
managers, of programs, and of businesses to have the mindset to go out and really recruit. Now, CTE programs, and I want to go on my soapbox for a second, if you don't mind. So CTE programs, unfortunately, they're closing at an alarming rate and they don't have the resources they need. Now, that's a separate problem in and of itself. But we can't expect CTE programs to produce the amount of technicians that are needed. So with that in mind, Carm, I'm glad you brought up the person who doesn't have any technical background because that's what we advocate for all the time. My boss calls it collecting people. And the example I use is if you're at a fast food restaurant and someone who's taking your order has a very positive attitude, they're efficient in what they're doing and they want to be there. Imagine what that person could do in your business with the right tools, resources, and just if you can reduce the barriers for entry for them, you're going to have wins down the road, man. That's it. Yeah, well, what you just said was higher for attitude. That's what you just said. Our two things, Carm, is willing and able for managers, mentors, and mentees. You can't make anybody do it. Yeah, that's it. That's it. There's a lot of great takeaways here so far. I love this. Well, I'm glad, man. And I do want to add to the willing and able. Listen, Carm, I'm willing to be on the cover of Gentleman's Quarterly, whatever quarter you want. Unfortunately, I don't have the ability to do it. When we go out and do mentoring, we got to be realistic with what we're willing and able to actually do. Let's go on to the fifth step of the uh, mentor-mentee cycle, which is called execute. This is where we're taking that plan. And really, to go back on that as well, there is two plans. There's the high-level plan. Where am I now? Where can I go? And who's going to help me get there? Okay, That's fairly easy to answer, a little harder to execute. The reason is, a lot of times, we'll say, hey, you can be a C-Tech within a couple of years, but the specifics on how to get there aren't laid out. So when we talk about execution, that is the daily on-the-job training plan for these mentees. And with our digital task list, whether it's on the web app or on mobile, again, we're setting those goals and tracking progress against it in core essential competencies in automotive, diesel, or collision. So for the execution, if we're not tracking the progress and we're going by word of mouth, man, we're not getting nearly as much data we could on how our people are are progressing and growing. I think you just broke the code when it came to the web or desktop versus the smartphone app that you're in touch with this process via connectivity. I mean, if your mentor or mentee are keying anything in the app via mobile or via desktop, you as the owner of the shop or an individual who could necessarily be in charge, a multi-shop operation, you're really growing and you've got all these great mentor-mentee programs going on, you want to know what's going on with them. Of course you do. And traditionally, there's like two or three ways that it's done. One is those conversations that we've been talking about. They're a little ambiguous and lack details. The other is a paper-based system where we're checking things off and passing it back across the, the shop and running all around. And then the third's even an Excel sheet, which to me, Carm, I love Excel, but I don't love staring at it all day, every day. So yes, getting that data, especially with a digital platform. And listen, the tools of my generation, Carm, I'm 24 years old. The tools of my generation are mobile devices. So that's a selling point in and of itself, at least on the, the mentor-mentee side. 24, you're, you're on your way, baby. I can't imagine uh, what your career is going to blossom into. As I always say, we'll see how it goes. I've been very fortunate to have a lot of supportive people around me and to land in some of the greatest entries, uh, industries our country has to offer in automotive, diesel, and collision. I've met too many good people in this, in this industry, Carmen, and one of them being you. So again, I'm, I'm thrilled to be on here talking about this. I appreciate the, the, the kind words. I'm just a hardworking stiff like you, just trying to make a living and, and advance the aftermarket. That's what we're here to do. So 
Are you guys only doing, like you said, the collision diesel and automotive? You're not doing any other kind of skill trades? So at this point in time, Carm, as we get going, the focus is on automotive diesel and collision. And a big reason for that is the problem is so bad across those three. And they're near and dear to our hearts with SP2. But I mean, from TechForce um, Foundation alone, and Jen Marr and her incredible team, they found that by 2024 or five, I believe, there's going to be a shortage of 625,000 technicians across those three industries. So that's where we're starting, Carm, but it's not limited to that. I mean, from construction, welding, plumbing, and beyond, there's an application for this because mentoring goes across industries. Okay, you're out there absolutely connected. Aren't you hearing and sensing that there's a shift, a paradigm shift among parents and some young people to consider skilled trades? Yes. And I think a big portion of that, there's data to back it up too. Post-COVID, I believe the numbers for many technical programs have never been higher. And I think a big portion of that is looking at students going to four years and parents saying, hey, maybe this isn't such a bad idea for you to go out and get earning early. I think this is a great offshoot discussion that we're having, and that is a mentor-mentee program only works if you have the right person uh, with the right attitude, wanting and willing to learn with you realizing that you're doing so much for your own business, but a ton for the industry too. So thanks thanks for having this little sidebar with me. Now, number six in the M&M cycle is analyze and reward. And I love the word reward in there. Absolutely, Carm. And in our view, the big part of number five is getting that data flowing on how a mentee or apprentice again is progressing. And the question is, well, we have the data. What are we going to do with it? And for us, a big portion of that is one, if we know what areas on an industry task list a mentee is doing well on, as a manager, I can make better mentoring decisions. And if I know that they're doing very well in underbody, Um, and not so well in breaks, I can consider maybe I need to bring in a different mentor. Maybe they just don't like doing breaks. And there's a number of things that can spark that conversation. And on the rewarding side, it's a great way If you're measuring the progress, you can manage it and you can build incentives on that growth, not just for the mentee, but for the mentor as well. And if there's one thing I would want shop managers to walk away with is that if you're going to have somebody working with that entry level technician, don't let your mentors go in the red and pay. There's a lot of options for keeping them up and potentially even making a little bit more on top. Using that data to help everybody and further progress that mentee is essential. How interesting. I love it. It's a tight little circle, if you will, or a process, a system, a cycle. Let's go to um, cover that soft skills thing that I'm glad you brought up. I'll never forget, ever. I I participate on the advisory board of our local CTE two-year college here in our county. And we all got together at one of the uh, high school, CTE schools. The administration and the chairman of the, of, and some of the educators were there and they said, so what do we need to do to improve our graduates? <laughs> and every one of them said, soft skills. They don't know how to shake a hand, look someone in the eye to write up a ticket or to, you know, they don't know all this stuff. Come on, guys, help us. The soft skills, they go underlooked a lot of the time, Carm. When we think about the path for the average technician, a lot of them are going to stay on that shop floor. And with that, you're still going to be talking to customers here and there. And no customer wants to talk to somebody that 
doesn't have a great attitude. Those soft skills and understanding even social cues, cultural cues in the shop, and then the simple things, showing up to, to work with good hygiene, keeping your area prepared and neat, and then also communicating not just down the chain to people beneath you, but up the chain as well. If we can get soft skills, if everybody was good at soft skills, Carm, I'll leave it at this. Things would feel a little bit different in, in our industries. You prompted me to uh, remember when I interviewed so many great operators who said, yeah, I, it was the greatest tech in the world. And then I opened my business and I got slammed upside my head that says, oh, my God, I can't believe how the owner that I worked for in the past made it look so easy. And it is just so damn hard. What they did is they said, I went to take some college courses. I, I literally you know, went to some night courses, extension courses, and I had learned business. And, and on top of that, they had to learn some soft skills, too, which is one of those, as you mentioned earlier, take a look in the mirror. You know, I, I got to get, get out of my own way and learn some things that go beyond that. I love how to diagnose cars and fix it and hold a wrench. And so this to me this mentor, mentee.com, the company here looks like you've almost built the framework of my beautiful new house. And it's up to me to put the siding and the drywall and the paint on it. Carm, that's it. And I think you're, you're describing the culture. Now, on the other side, when it comes to the task list, that's just saying, what kind of grass do you want? And we're going to put that grass in for you. And, and that's the thing. Mentoring is going to be different for every business. But the common themes of learning cultures, supporting each other, leaving room for failure, that is essential across any business and across any industry. It's that room for failure and, and the openness to learning that has to be committed to by the leadership that really fosters um, the ability for you to take on and grow with somebody who's not an A-tech yet. Not an A-tech yet, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to get them there. What do you want to say that we didn't cover or I didn't ask? If you are a shop owner or a service manager or a GM and you're thinking about doing mentoring, you can do it today. But if you're going to fully commit to it, the statistic we found was that 70%, 70% of change initiatives where we're bringing a new program or system into a business, 70% of them will fail due to lack of leadership commitment. So if you're going down the mentoring path or even apprenticeship as well, dive in fully, read as much as you can and enjoy the process because you're going to learn a lot about yourself as a leader and you're going to learn a lot about the next generation and beyond and how they can benefit your business. Well, thank you so much for being here. You know, I did some math. It looks like it's around two bucks a day. That's it, Carm. Wow. And the thing is, the amount of, of revenue, Exalta did a study a number of years ago. Over the first three years of an entry-level technician's career, they have the chance to get you a gross profit north of a quarter of a million dollars. And it's the room for getting them. The thing is, Carm, they don't get to the end of that three years. A lot of times, they don't make it to the, the first three months. Uh, it's affordable everyone. And it's structured. And these guys are steeped in the automotive aftermarket. They know it. They get it. And they got this uh, young superstar uh, kind of leading the way. How You're cool. too kind, Carm. You're too kind. I'm impressed, my friend. Uh, Mark Brune, mentormentee.com. Thanks, man. Appreciate you being here. Carm, thank you. It was an honor and all the best for the show going forward. I know you guys are going to do great things. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time, 